David had、uh, been like that, where he would respond to circumstances and not really、uh, think about it. He wouldn't even inquire of the Lord. There's many opportunities, many、uh, examples in, the, in, in what we've been reading where he doesn't do that. He just, you know, he doesn't inquire of the Lord. But here, thank God, he's got his bearings again, and then he inquires of the Lord. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester, with Senior Pastor Rob Kellogg. Today, as Pastor Rob begins Chapter 21 in the Book of Second Samuel. We learn at this time there was a famine in Jerusalem. David wisely sought God in the face of chronic problems. However, David didn't see a spiritual reason in every problem, but he did not shut his eyes to the hand of God in circumstances. The first and second year, he might look upon it as a punishment laid upon them for the common sins of the land. But when he saw it continuing a third year, he thought there was something in it more than ordinary, and therefore he inquired of the Lord as a wise man should do. As Christians, we must always inquire of the Lord for every situation. Now here's Pastor Rob. Where the other men of Saul's Saul's other sons from his concubine Rizpah, she had uh, seven uh, sons. Or five sons, and and uh, uh, and another woman had.、Uh, we'll get to her name. She also had two other sons. But the bottom line is, is these men have been already killed at this point in, in chapter nine. So many believe this chapter twenty-one actually precedes chapter nine. So maybe something to do sometime is to read chapter twenty-one. And then go back and read chapter nine, and I think it'll make perfectly perfect sense to you because it says here, David said, "Is there anyone who is left of the house of Saul that it, that I might show him kindness for Jonathan's sake?" Because remember, David and Jonathan made a covenant with one another, and and that David wouldn't harm his his、uh, family. And and there was a servant of the house of Saul whose name was Ziba. So when they had called him to David, the king said to him, "Are you Ziba?" And he said, "At your service." And the king said, "Is there not still someone of the house of Saul to whom I may show the kindness of God?" Remember, because David was a kind man; he wasn't a bloodthirsty man. And Ziba said to the king, "There is still a son of Jonathan who is lame in his feet." And the king says, "Where is he?" And so the king, you know, Ziba tells him, but he was the only one left because all the other sons had died; they'd been killed, and you'll see why they were killed. So, before chapter nine, there, just put chapter twenty-one. Okay, some of the chapters in the Bible.、Um, one thing you have to understand about First and Second Samuel specifically is 
over time it has suffered what they call corruption in the original manuscripts. And so you remember earlier on as we talked about numbers, and sometimes they numbers uh, c- kind of get garbled a little bit, you know, whether it's 400 or, fi- uh, 400 or 40 or 50 or 500. You have to understand that in the Hebrew language, when there is just a slight mark over, over the word five, it can mean 50 or 500. And if that mark is absent in some of the documents of the manuscripts, it's easy to mistranslate numbers. But the good news for us is that numbers don't really translate to doctrine, right? They're just numbers. And so don't let that throw you, because the original manuscripts were flawless, but over time, they have, um, when, when they've read them, and begin to transcribe, some of those things had been corrupted. And so the, 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 the important stuff we get, but sometimes the numbers, they can get a little shifty at times. And, and not every chapter in, in, uh, in the books of the Bible are strictly chronological. And this is a good case in point. So this chapter really belongs right before chapter 9. Does everybody follow on that? So I think if you read it, it'll make sense. So read chapter 21 and then go back tonight and read chapter 9 and it'll, it'll make a lot more sense. So let's just go ahead and get into it a little bit here for another five or, or about 10 or 15 more minutes. So um, notice it says, so David avenges the Gibeonites and it says, now there was a famine in the days of David for three years, year after year, and David, notice, he inquired of the Lord. And so there was this famine. So sometime after David came into his kingdom, there was a famine. And I think you'll understand why there was a famine and why then. Why after he got into his kingdom? Well, God's going to tell us why there was a famine. Because of an oath that Saul had broken. And we'll look at that. I'm hope We'll at least start it tonight and we'll finish this next week. But God is serious about oaths. When we make an oath, we better follow it. And, and certainly it is a sin that God can forgive. But it's better not to make an oath or a promise at all than to make a promise or an oath and not come through with it. Right? And so, notice there in verse 1, underline this, David inquired of the Lord. This is a good moment for David. Because there were moments in his life where he wasn't inquiring of the Lord. Rather, he was responding to circumstances. Have you ever understood that? And you and I are a lot like that. And I want to encourage you to be careful in your life with these kinds of things. And you all, we have all experienced this. Where we will be in a circumstance and we will have to, we, we feel like we have to make a decision right now. If we don't do it right now, it's gonna, the, the, the possibility is gone. I'll never get it again. But one thing we have to understand that if it really was God's will for you, whatever it is, God is going to bring that around again or give it to you in a different way. The devil loves to get us to operate on the do it now, do it now. This is it. This is, this is the only opportunity. And people who are trying to get your money and get into your pocketbooks, they love to use that tactic. They love to say, you know what, this car is going on sale. You know, it's... Uh, it's December 31st, and at midnight, it's, tw- it's 11.40 right now, p.m. you got 20 minutes to make this decision. But after today, sorry, this deal is off. We're going to give you $40,000. we are going to give you $15,000 off the price tag right now. If you sign on the dotted line, but at, at midnight, it's going to go back to full price. And you're thinking, i got to do it now. i got to do it now. And the next thing you know, you're calling your friends and family. Hey, man, do you got any money you can lend me? And, you know, you're freaking out. Be careful in stuff like that. You've got time. 
There are some things that you don't have time with. If you're standing on a railroad track and a train is coming at you, it's a good idea to get off the track. You don't have time then. But there are other circumstances in life where you feel like you've got to react quickly. Be very careful when you feel like you have to react quickly. Give it some time. Give it some time. Stop and get away from it and let your mind get back. Because that's where the devil, he loves to get us into those places. And God will see to it that we get into situations like that. And we are really tested, aren't we? Uh, David had uh, been like that where he would respond to circumstances and not really... Uh, think about it. He wouldn't even inquire of the Lord. There's many opportunities, many examples in in, in what we've been reading where he doesn't do that. He just, you know, he doesn't inquire of the Lord. But here, thank God, he's got his bearings again, and then he inquires of the Lord. That's a really good thing for you and I to think about too, to inquire of the Lord often in every situation in your life, in every detail of your life? Are you making a big purchase? Have you prayed about it? Or is it just something, well, I've done it before. I bought a car and I know how to do this. You know, I go and I go to the bank and I get a mortgage or whatever. I get a a car loan. And I mean, have you ever stopped and prayed and said, Lord, is this the car for me? If it is, can you give me, you know, help me to stop and, and think about this? Things like that have happened in my life. I've been racing to, to do something, feeling like I, I've got to make a decision about something. I remember one time um, my uncle had passed away. And uh, I was early in the ministry uh, here. Um, and he had passed away. And we didn't have any money to fly out to see him. He was one of my uncles that I was closer to. And I knew it would cost quite a bit of money, to not only for the airline tickets or whatever, but to rent a car when we got to the place where he was. And I'd probably be there for a few days because he was at the end of, end of life, and it was only a matter of hours rather than days. But sometimes people hang on for two or three, four or five days. And so we really didn't have the money. And so I was just about ready to pull a trigger and just put all this money on our credit card. And the Lord just encouraged me to wait. And the more you wait, the higher the plane tickets go, right? And so I'm thinking, well, I feel like i got to do something, and I just felt the unction, I better wait. And wouldn't you know it, the very next day, someone, I don't know who it was, gave me an envelope with cash in it for like $1,100. And that covered the whole trip and then some. We, even, we, could even, we actually ate out and had a, you know, uh, and it was just an amazing thing how God provided. I was gonna about ready to do this thing, and I could have done it, and he would have said, well, you, you're going to, Pay a lot of interest on that. Why don't you just wait for me? Because I'm, I'm doing something that you don't know anything about, Rob. So why don't you just chill out? <laughs> and so I chilled out. And guess what? He came through. And that's happened. And that's happened more than once. Not with the cash so much, but that'd be really cool. But anyway. Um, so anyway, this particular incident uh, that is spoken here in chapter 21 is not really in the Scripture. Okay, so it's mentioning that something that has happened here. That and notice what it says. Now there was a famine in the days of, of of David for three years, year after year. And David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered him. So David prayed to God, and God gave him an answer. Go figure. Isn't that great? When that happens, when you pray and God answers, and 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 you get an answer quickly, and this is what happened. 
So David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered, and he gave him the reason why there was been a famine in the land. And here it is. It's in verse 1. It is because of Saul and his bloodthirsty house, because he killed the Gibeonites. Now let me ask you something. Why would God, and here's one clue that this chapter belongs right before chapter 9. Why would God do this at the end of his reign? Because chapter 19 and chapter 20, we're getting toward the latter part of David's life when he starts getting older. And why would God do that then? Well, because he wouldn't. He would take care of business before when David was just coming into his kingdom, into his reign. God would deal with it then because it was Saul. The Bible, again, doesn't tell us anywhere else in the Scripture where this happened. But Saul killed a bunch of Gibeonites for some reason. We have no idea why. But in doing so, he broke a a promise that Joshua and the children of Israel had given to the Gibeonite people. Back when John, and we'll stop after this. Back in Joshua chapter 9, if you recall, the Israelites came, they, they crossed over the Jordan, they came into the promised land, and remember, their first battle was Jericho, and then it was Ai. And then, as David, or I'm sorry, as, as Joshua and the men began to make their battle plans and spread out and conquer the land, which God had told them to do, one of the cities, it was a royal city, it was Gabeah, and the men there were uh, Canaanites. They were from the Ammonite. They were a, a flavor of Ammonite, basically. And God had told them to wipe them out. But when they get to the city and they surround the city, uh, the, the men, um, while they're there, are on, en route to you know, t- wiping out the city, some men come and they deceive, and they say that they're from the men of Gabeah, but they, uh, and, and they, uh, I'm sorry, they say that they were foreigners coming in and, and then they, they made friends basically with Israel and Joshua and these men had said, had made a covenant with each other, a, a vow with each other that they would not hurt each other's people. And so Joshua didn't understand that it was the people that were, was in the Gabeah. Those men had feigned, had faked, like they were from some long-distant land, and they made this covenant with the children of Israel. And so in doing so, the children of Israel honored that covenant. They didn't attack the city, but instead they put them into slavery, basically, you know, by cutting wood and, and carrying pitchers of water, basically put them to work. But in doing so, their lives were spared. Okay, So that was a covenant that Israel had made with these people of Gibeon. So now, fast forward into you know several hundred years, that covenant still stands. But it says that Saul, at some point in his reign, before David became king, somewhere along the line, Saul had gotten an argument with the Gibeonites, and he killed a number of them. And thus he broke the covenant that God, or that they had made with God concerning this people group. And so God says, because of that, that's why we have, that's why you guys are having this three-year drought. And so basically what he's putting David in, he's putting him in this position of righting this wrong at the very beginning of his reign, at his beginning of his kingdom. David, there's been something that's happened that you need to fix. You need to bring this into, uh, uh, you need to bring this into the light. You need to deal with this issue right now with these people because 
Israel had made a promise, a covenant with these people. You've got to deal with this. And so David does. He does. And, and, and it's unfortunate. Again, this is... Um, uh, notice David inquired of the Lord, and the Lord answered, it's because of Saul and, the, and, the, and his bloodthirsty house, because he killed the Gibeonites. Um, and again, this was a good thing that David did, but he doesn't really tell him what he should have done. And, and instead of inquiring of the Lord further, and we'll end here because we'll see this next week. This is a nice little hook, isn't it? Um, next week we'll get into um, the men of Gabeah basically tell David, hey, this is what you can do. Look, we don't want any gold or silver. We don't want a bunch of people to die. We just want seven of, of, of Saul's sons, seven of them. We just want seven of them. We don't want a whole tribe. We just want seven guys of, of Saul's sons. That's all we want. And David was like, hmm, okay. But he doesn't inquire of the Lord concerning that. So he listened to the men of Gabeah when he could have listened to the Lord. Maybe the Lord had a different plan. Maybe the Lord, if he had inquired of the Lord again, the Lord would say, David, I know what these men are saying, but why don't you counter with this? But there, we'll never know what that was because David never inquired of the Lord. Instead, David gives these seven men over to the Gibeonites, and they hang them, and they hang them. And the only one that saved out of all those men of Saul was Mephibosheth. And that's why this chapter belongs prior to chapter 9 because Mephibosheth is the only one that's left of Saul's sons. Do you see that? It's pretty interesting. And so um, we're going to stop there because uh, that's a good stopping point. But, um, but it's, it's interesting, though, when you think about it, David inquiring of the Lord because he did, and it was a good thing, but he could have continued. There's been a lot of things that David could have done even better. And, and I'm not going to sit here and be some kind of armchair quarterback and say, you should have done this, you should have done that. You know, because honestly, if we were in that position that he was in, many of us would have chosen perhaps to do wrong things. We would have just taken the, you know, inquired of the Lord and he would have given us, you know, the, the reason and then notice that, that God doesn't tell him, this is what I want you to do because there's further inquiry, David. But you didn't listen to me. You didn't even ask. You just, you take the inquiry or you take the response of these men Instead of inquiring of me again, you listen to their demands and you follow through with them. How things would have been different if David would have went back to the Lord and said, Lord, that I, I understand that that is why we're having the drought, so what are we going to do about that? How do you want to rectify this? At the beginning of my reign that you've given me, how am I going to do this now? What would you like me to do? And the Lord would have answered him. But notice there's no mention of it. He just listened to the men of... of uh, he listened to the men of, of um, yes, <laughs> just my, my brain just shut off there for a minute. Yeah, he listened to them instead of listening to God. He didn't inquire of the Lord. That's a good opportunity. So the moral of the story here, folks, for all of us, is never stop inquiring of the Lord. Keep that relationship with him. Keep that prayer life, that dialogue with God, with the Lord Jesus Christ, every single day. 
listen. And, you know, you don't have to close your eyes. You don't have to, if you're driving your car and you're by yourself, maybe turn off the radio. Maybe sometimes worship and and have the stereo up loud and sing like a bird. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. But maybe sometimes you just need to turn it off and keep your eyes open while you're driving on 490 and pray to God and just say, Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for what happened at work today as you're on your way home. Lord, there's this relationship with somebody at work. I need to, you know, help me with this, Lord, because you know in my heart I'm, I'm angry with them, a little bit jealous of them, and you know why I'm jealous. And I don't want to feel that way, Lord. I know that they can sense something's wrong. And Lord, help me with this. You know, and you start to have this dialogue wherever you're at, any time, any day, whether it's audible or inaudible. Do you realize that your prayers, you know, that there are certain denominations that say, well, you, when you pray, you have to do this. You have to be down on your knees. You have to be facing toward the east. You have to have your little prayer rug. You've got to be, you've got to make sure that your eyes are closed because because if, you're, if you peek, God's not going to answer. No, Jesus, when he prayed, he looked up to heaven with his eyes open and, and he prayed to the Father. So that's just a church tradition when we close our eyes. But I would encourage you to do a lot more praying with your eyes open. Unless the room that you're in is distracting. Then I, like I have to close my eyes when I'm in a really busy room. And if I know that something's going to get my attention, I'll close my eyes. But sometimes I'm so tired, if I close my eyes, <laughs> flatline. You know, instead of my heart beating like this, you know, all of a sudden I close my eyes. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about, right? So inquire of the Lord often as much as possible. That's where the relationship is with God. And that's what enriches us. And that's where the relationship grows as we come to him. And don't be afraid. You don't have to be in any particular position. There are times that I love to get on my face on the ground in my office when nobody's here, and I'll pray flat on my stomach. Sometimes I'm praying in my, in my chair with my feet up on the desk, and, and sometimes I'm driving my car. It doesn't matter where you're at. Just do it. Have that relationship with him. You just do what he wants you to do, and you keep that communication open. It's really quite simple, actually. People write books about it, and there's really wonderful books. E.M. Bound has, has written a lot of great books on prayer. But, you know, just make sure that you're praying. Because I've said it before, and I'll, I'll say it 100,000 more times, Lord willing, pray, pray, pray. Let's be a praying people. Now more than ever, we need to be people of prayer. Come to our Tuesday night prayer meetings at 7 o'clock. We meet in the fellowship hall. Please come out. You can come and go as you please. You don't have to stay for the whole hour. And we, we usually pray for about an hour. But come out and pray with us. And if you're not praying with us physically, you know, dial in. We send out this thing, you know, for um, if, if you want to be on that uh, distribution list. Most of you are already on it already. But if you want to be able to dial in and, and, and pray that way through the, the computer and you can hear other people and they can hear you, you know, do that. But um, we'd love to have you come, though. There's plenty of room we can spread out. It's a really great time of fellowship. So anyway, why don't we stand together and let's inquire of the Lord, (laughs) like David. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this night. And and Lord, help us to be those kind of people, Lord. And help us to learn a great lesson from David, Lord, that we wouldn't inquire of you here and there and make other decisions in our flesh, you know, here and there, but Lord, help us to be people that inquire of you all the time. And so, Lord, help us to do that. And just bless my brothers and sisters, Lord. I, I, I know that they've come from different places tonight, and um, 
Lord, with all the, the stuff going on with the virus, Lord, I pray that you would not allow us to live in fear any longer, God, but that we would take care of each other and that we would listen and that we would love each other, God, and uh, that we never cease to come together like this, Lord, uh, maskless or with masks, Lord, whatever it may be, just have your way with us. And we love you and we thank you in Jesus' name. That concludes our time for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of 2 Samuel. Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585 586 3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, our location, service times, and much more. You can also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's sanctuary messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Podcast or Apple Podcast. You're also invited to join us on Sunday and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link on the website. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way that we can bless you with your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.